What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Tuesday, March 22nd. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. One of the biggest debates of the pandemic was how to proceed with school as the virus disrupted everything. Everything from learning remotely or in person to wearing masks was a point of contention. But at the Lewis Palmer School District in Colorado, they chose to keep kids in class and made masks optional. What resulted were students who flourished and boosted some of their test scores while other districts in the state lagged behind. Perry Stein, education reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for how this district tried to proceed as normal. Thanks for joining us, Perry. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we all saw a lot of different effects going on because of the pandemic on schools. I mean, it was just a huge disruptor, uh, closings and then openings and then arguments about mask wearing. It really played out <laughs> very loudly across the country. And, you know, on, on one hand, we had parents and teachers, teachers unions saying we need to have uh, kids remote learning for fear of the virus spreading. We need masks if we're going to do in-person learning. And on the other side, we had a lot of parents say, you know, we need our kids in school because they're languishing at home or, you know, we don't want them to wear masks because it's just kind of unnatural. They need, they need to be free and kids are spared some of the worst effects of the virus. So there was all these conversations going on, but mm-hmm. you wrote an article looking at the Lewis Palmer School District in Colorado, which kind of went the other way. I mean, they said, we're going to still do in person learning and not do the whole remote learning thing. They really didn't do too much to contain the actual virus and their students did really well. Uh, we saw their uh, a lot of their, their school rates go up when a lot of the other rates in, the, in Colorado were going down. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, so Perry, tell us what the Lewis Palmer District did. Definitely. And yeah, I just as you said, I spent a lot of my pandemic covering school districts that really didn't reopen last year. So I set out to find one that did reopen. And so I landed on Lewis Palmer, which is right outside of Colorado Springs. And they opened in the fall of 2020 with all elementary school students in person full time. Or I should say all elementary students who wanted to go. Families could still do virtual, but the overwhelming opted to go in person five days a week. They decided, they based this off a study that showed at the time that kids 10 and under didn't spread the virus as much. So they decided to go maskless, um, to make masks optional at the elementary school level in classrooms. Um, And, you know, it was at the time, Lewis Palmer, or the county that Lewis Palmer is located in, they didn't have a, they, they were below national averages on um, COVID rates. It's a pretty wealthy school district, so a lot of parents working from home, and it's pretty, um, you know, it's it's a sprawling neighborhood. It's not like city. There's like if there's like one or two apartment buildings that I saw that you know served, and those were small buildings that served the school district. So you know, people weren't living on top of each other. It, yeah, and they went to reopen schools, and parents and teachers felt comfortable with this, and they did it. 
Yeah, and you know, we saw the negative effects that happened play out because of some of the closures. Obviously, a lot of kids found it really difficult to learn at home. It just wasn't their regular thing. Uh, We saw a lot of them have mental health issues. That emotional maturity, just from not being around peers and kind of learning how things go, we heard of a lot of fights breaking out as soon as kids started going back to school. Yeah. You know, so we see, we've seen all these negative effects. But here in this school district, thankfully, a lot of that stuff didn't happen. Tell me about some of the test scores that we saw, because this is where I think in reading, a lot of the students had an uptick, maybe in math, not so much, but they were having great scores compared to the overall state numbers. Yeah, I think that's true. And I want to be clear. I mean, the kids here and the school leaders will still tell you that in Lewis Palmer, they did endure a pandemic, right? And that's really stressful, the uncertainty. They had quarantines, routines were broken. I'm sure parents had anxiety, some of theirs that, you know, kids can feel and understand. So they did still, you know, they are still seeing some mental health concerns. They are still having what they're what I would refer to as pandemic-induced challenges that they are needing to address. So they weren't spared the pandemic. But yeah, I mean, I think you see the results coming out of there are better. I mean, no one argued that virtual learning for the vast majority of kids is better than in-person learning. So they benefited from getting a whole lot more of in-person learning. So at the elementary school level, you did see big gains in reading um, that outpaced um Um, Math everywhere around the country, from what I have seen, that was really hard to do online. Um, You know, you would see uh, some drops there, but not as big as um, the state's drops. And something interesting that I saw improvements among some of the special education kids that those were the kids that I think largely have been, you know, vulnerable kids that have been um, set back the most from the pandemic because, you know, a lot of their plans and services, such as speech therapy, some kids, occupational therapy, one-on-one, just couldn't be delivered as effectively online. Um, Lewis Palmer did bring back um, even their high school special education, their most, um, the kids with the highest needs in high school, they brought them back five days a week by November or in November. So, Um, so those were some of the hopeful things. They still had challenges. I mean, there is a big achievement gap in Lewis. There is an achievement gap in Lewis Palmer between um, between white students and students of color, and that did not um, improve during the pandemic. This figures right into the conversation, as I mentioned earlier. Right, the, the, there was this kind of fight on both sides. You know, who would be right? And a lot of this, when you look at Lewis Palmer, you know, a lot of people say, well, they got lucky that there were no huge outbreaks. And I think uh, you mentioned the article, like, you know, overall, like two people went to the hospital and and they, none of them were students, you know, so Mm -hmm. a lot of people say, Hey, they got really lucky. Others say, you know, they did it right. They followed health guidance. They kept the schools open. They listened to parents and whatnot. A question I have is, you know, how did the teachers feel throughout all of this? Because that was one of the big conversations going around where teachers, teachers unions were saying, well, Kids could be spared the, the, the worst of the virus, but the adults, the instructors aren't. Uh, so that was a big conversation. How did teachers feel yeah, in this district? You know, it was interesting. Um, I came, I, I covered a lot of the teacher union sites, I, you know, and a lot of the teachers unions, I will say, were responding to what they felt their communities wanted, that parents wanted. And you see in cities like D.C. where I live, parents didn't want to go back. So it wasn't that the unions differed so vastly from you know, every parent here. Um, But here, you know, I was surprised. I I tried to talk to as many teachers as I could to really, you know, ensure I understood their viewpoints. And 
most of the ones, everyone I talked to, and I didn't talk to all the teachers, obviously, felt comfortable going back. They felt that they they saw their kids fall behind that spring when it was virtual learning, and they felt they needed to go back, and they felt that it could be done safely. You know, some there was some teachers, you know, as they the school district admitted that there were teachers that felt that this that they didn't want to go back unless there were some teachers though that felt that the school took too many precautions. Some teachers that didn't want to teach with masks, at least one, so he left the school system. So. They were in the gamut, but the vast majority, I mean, they did a survey in July of 2020. That was pretty early on in the pandemic, and the majority of teachers felt that school could be reopened safely. Um, you know, teachers, the teachers that I talked to, most of them did wear masks throughout last year and wanted to wear masks. I mean, I think they had to for most of but they wanted to wear masks and still wore masks for Omicron this year. So I think the teachers were fairly on board. Yeah. You know, in the end, uh, obviously, every situation is different. Uh, and luckily for this school district, it, it worked out well. Their students were thriving. Mm-hmm. But they did have a lot of disruptions, obviously. There weren't times where they were just completely open. Because this happened in fall of 2020. So this is when mm-hmm. all school districts were going crazy, hybrid this, full remote learning. They decided to get classes going very early on in the pandemic still when we were there. You know, so they did have disruptions when case accounts were really going up they had to close and do remote learning but overall even talking to a lot of the students it, it, you know they felt like it was kind of a normal year and that you know probably lends itself to the argument of why they were doing so good at least with their scores and whatnot yeah it's interesting i tried to talk to as many students as possible and it's like you know you were asking about something for a kid that was very normal for them so yeah i think they they felt that at least the younger kids felt that it, it worked out pretty pretty well for them that, you know, some of them thought that the school, because they were quarantined so much, and again, their kids are not following what's happening in every other district, um, right? They only know their own, right. is that uh, felt that it, they took too many precautions because they got quarantined too much at the older grades. I mean, I some kids didn't get quarantined at all. Some kids got quarantined multiple times um, that put them back into virtual learning. But yeah, by and large, I mean, again, this is just a look at one school district. I don't yeah. think that everything that they did could be replicated in every other school district or should have been. But I do think, you know, at where we are in the pandemic, it's important to look at all different types of school districts and what types of decisions they made and how they made them and how they fared. Totally. And that's the interesting part. We're going to be unpacking what happened throughout the pandemic for years. And we're going to look back to see what really worked, what didn't work. And, you know, hopefully we can carry that into the future. But this massive disruption that we're going to have to study this for some time and see where what we did right and what we did wrong. Perry Stein, education reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.